Okay, y'all, we're going to go ahead and get started. I'm so glad y'all are here, and we even have some new faces in the room tonight, so this is great. Um, and we'll have a few more come in um, as they can. And so, um, welcome to Midweek in the City. Um, this is my favorite night of the week. It's so much fun. And so, um, we're going to go ahead and jump in. And normally, we do some table discussion questions and some different things, but I think that our topic tonight is going to be ripe with questions. And so, I'm, I'm going to save us some time so that we can ask all of the questions that um, that come to mind. And so we're not going to do our normal table discussion questions, but I do have, y'all will be proud of me, I only have one announcement tonight. And it's actually on your tables, and that is, come to the Single Adults Retreat. <laughs> and so, um, not this weekend, but next weekend, we're going to be at, at Mo Ranch outside of Kerrville. Um, and so if you haven't already signed up, it's going to be a really great weekend. And so you can scan the QR code and um, go ahead. $50 is all you need to reserve your spot. And so, and scholarships are available to you. Um, and so just know that that is coming very quickly. And I'm excited. We have the t-shirts already. We're, y'all, we're ready for this thing. But I want y'all to be there. So, um, so sign up. It's going to be a really fun weekend. It's going to be really great weather. I was looking at the weather app today. It's like 75 and beautiful all weekend. So it's going to be really great. We're going to do a high ropes course on Saturday afternoon for the more adventurous of us. It's going to be fun. So um, sign up for retreat if you haven't already. You can take one of those flyers home with you. And I meant it. That was literally my only announcement. There's been a lot going on at the church. Um, I've had like 10 of these most weeks. And so, but all I want you to think about is retreat because it is coming. So um, that being said, I want to introduce... Um, our guest for tonight. So this is Matthew Benish. Um, he is a church member and a friend of the single adults. And um, you've, you've given um, this kind of talk before in different spaces, some here at Midweek, some at FBCSA University, and um, we're just really excited to have you here. So if y'all can help me welcome Matthew. Thank you. Um, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm uh, very happy yeah. to be back again. It's yeah. been a couple years, very long years for COVID, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I've given talks about kind of my testimony as a uh, person who works in the sciences and a person of faith. Uh, about five years ago, I did uh, a four-part series for FBC University. And so I've got all those old slides here, depending on kind of where the questions go this evening. Yeah. Um, yeah. But awesome. very happy to be here. Yeah. So as we get started, um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, the work you do now, how you got connected to First Baptist, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Uh, so I, I work in the semiconductor industry. Uh, so my company, uh, Tower Semiconductor, we make uh, microchips for all kinds of applications, cell phones, medical devices, cars, satellites, um, defense applications, lots wow. of very different things. Cool. Um, so my role, I'm the, the director of yield and integration, uh, which is kind of like a quality and research and development, uh, as well as well, no, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a very interesting job. It's a very busy job. Um, I'm really tired of hearing uh, the the phrase of uh, you know why why can't I get chips for my car and you know, <laughs> supply chain was my the bane of my existence for the last couple of years. <laughs> um, but I um, I guess I'll give you short testimony if that's okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I grew up the children uh, the the child of uh, Christian parents. I grew up in Waco, Texas. Um, my dad is now a retired physics professor. He taught at Baylor for 38 years. Wow. <clears throat> uh, my mom uh, was uh, a stay-at-home mom, um, but she taught the, the Waco women's uh, BSF class for over 25 years. 
Um, and then I'm, I'm the youngest. When I went to Baylor for my undergrad, she went back to school at Baylor and um, completed a PhD in theology. Um, so there's a couple of Dr. Benishes running around Waco. Um, so a very academic family, but very, very firm Christians. Um, my, my dad actually, you know, he was, he was raised in a home that you know, went to church at Christmas and Easter. Um, but he actually was baptized um, as, a, as a, a PhD student at Northwestern. He said Lake Michigan was very, very cold when he <laughs> oh was baptized. Gosh. But he, he actually came to a true you know, faith and relationship with Christ in, in the middle of doing um, graduate work in physics. Wow. So that's really the backdrop of how I grew up in, in a family that was very academically minded, but very, very firm in our, in, in, in our belief, in, in our, our relationship with, with Christ, you know, regular attendance uh, at church. Um, I was at, uh, I grew up going to Columbus Avenue Baptist Church in Waco. I was there th three days a week, basically <laughs> from infancy up through high school. Um, I mentioned I, I, I went to Baylor as an undergrad, I did a degree in physics. Um, it's where I met my wife, Emily, uh, who's um, actually on church staff here. She's the administrative assistant uh, for worship and music. She makes uh, a lot of things happen. We would fall does. apart without Emily. So. <laughs> Same way at home. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I think o over the course of, of my undergraduate studies at, at Baylor, I started to really feel a calling uh, of being a strong witness within a, a scientific field, within academia. Um, obviously at Baylor, that's not a big challenge. Most yeah. of the people at Baylor are, are believers. Um, but once I finished my undergraduate, we actually moved uh, to England and I uh, earned a, a doctorate degree in physics uh, from the University of Cambridge. Um, and that's a really Casually. big... Huh? Casually, yeah. Right. That's <laughs> but it's a, it's a, it's a huge disparity from, from Baylor, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That Europe uh, and, and the United Kingdom in particular, they're very post-church. Yeah. Uh, they respect um, church from a cultural perspective, uh, the impact it has on the community, the historical influence. You know, um, the Church of England is obviously a, a very big and important institution, but Christianity is not a personal thing. Right, it's 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 the motions, it's the structure, it's the forms, and um, I would I would say the majority of the people that we came into contact with, certainly within my research group, really considered Christianity and religion generally as archaic and something holding back the potential of of, of people, mm -hmm. and so um, it was a very interesting experience, you know, being a Christian and being in a very hard science field, surrounded by people who. Um, either couldn't care less or were in, intentionally antagonistic towards Christianity. Mm -hmm. So if you remember, there was a London bus campaign 15 years ago where they had posters on the London double-decker buses saying, there's probably no God, so stop worrying and go on with your life. That, that, was, that occurred while we were um, in, mm -hmm. in England. And so there were you know, lots of little conversations that you overhear, comment, you know, snide comments, that kind of thing. And, um, I mean, I never took it personally because I, I assumed that most of the people I was working with hadn't had a real conversation with, with someone who actually believed. Mm. Uh, but I, I feel very strongly that, that um, our time living in England um, had, was very impactful for our personal witness and testimony. Mm. Uh, we were really blessed uh, to be members of Eden Baptist Church in Cambridge, which is one of the larger churches in, in the city. It has about 150 people on Sundays. <laughs> but the interesting thing is that the people who go, because there's no cultural pressure to go to church on a weekly basis that you might experience 
you know, growing up as a kid in Texas, right? Um, the people who attended church faithfully, they did it very intentionally, mm -hmm. right? They, they, a lot of them were, were connected with universities, so they were, there were a lot of academics, a lot of researchers, a lot of graduate students, and the fact that they chose to go to church every Sunday yeah. without, you know, without a major holiday to yeah. you know, set the expectation, uh, they did it because they believed it. Mm -hmm. And it, it was a very refreshing group of believers to, to worship with and to study with. Um, and sermons were very academically minded. Where we really dug into scripture uh, in a very detailed way that I, I'd not experienced previously. And we felt like our, our faith was very much strengthened. Yeah. Uh, going through uh, the process of, of being faithful, attending, church members in the backdrop of a culture that had moved on. Yeah. Um, and so we were very blessed and, and um, strengthened by that time. Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, after I you know, finished graduate school, um, we moved to San Antonio. I started work with my with current company, um, and we've been here ever since. Yeah. Um, and I, I still feel very strongly that, mm -hmm. um, that the approach I take in my work, the way I conduct myself, in, in a very contentious work environment, a very fast-paced and mm -hmm. cut, at times cutthroat work environment, yeah. um, it sets uh, uh, an expectation with others that they, they understand that there's a difference in how I approach my day-to-day, -day, yeah. um, that I'm, I'm respectful and professional, and obviously you hope everyone's respectful and professional, but yeah. um, I, I do feel that uh, I have and continue to, uh, and, and will continue to have, an opportunity to witness uh, to people that, again, they, they don't have that backdrop, they don't have that mindset because they're very much in the vein of, of, of science and uh, applying science to daily life, which is a good thing, mm -hmm. but they don't have the daily interaction or the weekly interaction um, that uh, you know, we in the room have with, with religion and with people of faith. Yeah. Sorry, that was a really long answer. No, that's fantastic. That's where we are. <laughs> that's awesome, and I didn't mean to end up giving this pitch tonight, but um, that reminded me, one of the things that we as the Single Adults Ministry um, have decided that we want to do is we want to have um, missions that we're committed to as a group locally and globally. Um, and one of those things that, as a leadership team that we've talked about, is globally, the folks that we feel called to are um, exactly what you were describing, that kind of European post-Christian young professional kind of demographic. And so um, just, I just want y'all to know, um, we, have, we don't have our concrete plans yet, but um, something that's coming is um, a missional global opportunity to, to minister in that exact context. And so that was a great picture of what that looks like. Um, so thank you for that sure. softball to, um, to advertise that. But that's coming because I think, um, I think like what you said, that is a, an amazing and specific context that we can minister in. That's cool that y'all were able to do that. And yeah. so as we go, Matthew also has some slides prepared, so I'm going to turn this around. Just yeah, so that's fine. Um, give that to you. But So what we're talking about tonight and what um, Matthew just kind of set up for us is um, the most of us have probably either observed or been in a conversation where science and faith were kind of put into a wrestling ring and we said go right and we just kind of let them fight to the death right and sometimes you know one side wins and sometimes the other side wins but we've always treated them as these opposing or not always we have often treated them as opposing forces that could never get along and are kind of out to get each other right like you said and so 
Um, as we get started, why do you think that is? Why, what got us there to where we've kind of put these two things as irreconcilably different um, yeah. and they can never get along? Why do you think we've set that up that way? Yeah, uh, so from a, a kind of a recent history perspective, um, there's a, a term called the, the new atheism, mm. uh, which is uh, Richard Dawkins, if you're familiar with, with that name, um, in response to the September 11th attacks, uh, came out with some opinion letters in, uh, in the, the British newspapers talking about now is the time to, to move beyond religion. Mm. And, and essentially he compared allowing Abrahamic religions uh, to be you know, kind of freely expressed in, in the community, you know, community marketplace, in effect. It was about as dangerous as letting there be guns on, on the streets. Mm. Um, and, and obviously, he's, he's speaking from a, a place of shock and horror at, uh, the, at the terrorist attacks on September yeah. 11th. Um, but he had, prior to that, you know, had, had beef with religion, mm. in effect. Um, so his background, he's an evolutionary biologist, very, very smart person. And some of the books that he wrote, some of the science books that he wrote, are very well regarded. Uh, but he, he absolutely turned in his view towards the world mm. um, in, in the aftermath of the September 11th attacks and used it uh, to springboard into what's, again, now called the new atheism. So he published The God Delusion shortly thereafter, uh, which was a, a, a direct, unmitigated attack on religion generally. Mm. And, and so there's definitely been, in the last 20 years, uh, a big ramp up in um, kind of the forceful debate mm -hmm. between science and faith. Um, which it just feels like an archaic debate, right? It feels like we've been having that same yeah. conversation with a new flavor for a long time. That's right. Know, and, but, and, so, yeah. and it's true. So um, you know, the... Kind of the, the fundamentalist papers that were, were yeah. published in the early 1900s, you know, they do talk a little bit about uh, uh, about the the age of creation, but but they're not, you know, those weren't that that, that wasn't like the major topic. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. It was it was one of of the topics covered by by the fundamentalist papers, um, and and I think as as science has progressed, there have been scientific um, theories developed that were misapplied mm -hmm. uh, and, and really started to push Christians and the faithful back, you know, yeah. put people onto a defensive stance to say, um, you know, if you're going to tell me that this new theory of evolution means that there is no need for a God to have mm -hmm. created life, well, then I don't believe your science. Yeah. And it's really the misapplication of the science um, uh, to say that mm -hmm. because we have an alternative explanation, yeah. then the original explanation of God created everything is no longer needed. Mm. Um, and so I do think that, that you know, the, the conflict, so to speak, is, is initiated from the scientific side. Mm. Um, but it's a, I would say it's a small group of scientists. Yeah. Um, I mean, having worked with scientists for many years, I, I'm, and I, you know, I know a lot of the, the researchers at Baylor and, and uh, again, a, a lot of very faithful academics uh, from my, tam my time at graduate school, um, there are a lot of, of very earnest believers who work very hard in the sciences, mm -hmm. but they don't get they don't get the headlines, right? Yeah. And, and so certainly, if if you feel like the the anti-religion rhetoric has ramped up in the last twenty years, that's very very true, mm -hmm. uh, because publishing controversial books like the God Delusion it, it sells a lot of books, it makes a lot of headlines. Yeah. Um, people make money off of. Um, inflating this this disagreement into into headlines and books and miniseries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, and that's 
I think you're right. I think, yeah, the conversation has taken a new tone, right, in the last 20 years or so, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's interesting. Um, in 2017, I went with the, the Church Sanctuary Choir on, on the UK tour, and one of the places we went, uh, wait, well, I went to cathedrals all over the place, but we went to Westminster, mm. which is beautiful, and they have, um, th- there's, there's a big memorial to Charles Darwin, mm. and some people were really surprised yeah. that, that such a thing would be allowed within really the, the primary worship space of the Church of England. Yeah. Well, he was a Christian. Yeah. You know, so, so yeah. yes, he was a scientist, a biologist, and he, he first you know, kind of put together you know, the, 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 uh, the descent of man, the origin of species, based on scientific observations mm-hmm. and trying to understand um, you know, the, the patterns that he observed in genetic descent. Mm-hmm but he didn't use that to undermine his own faith. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I think some, some of us were, were surprised to, to see uh, Charles Darwin honored in this way the, with the memorial in Westminster yeah. um, because you don't hear that. Yeah. You, you don't hear those people who historically have been proponents of, of scientific understanding while using that as a way to worship God and understand his creation. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. Sell, doesn't sell books. Yeah, right. That's true. That's that's funny. Yeah, and I should have said this from the get-go, right? I know I'm sure that even just in this room, we have a wide, you know, spectrum of thoughts on this, right? And so um, Matthew has a really compassionate and a really good, robust um, understanding of that and um, sensitivity to that. And so... um, this is okay. This is the point of midweek, right? The point of midweek is to be able to take something like this that is weighty and, um, right? People have really gone to battle over these yeah. things, right? And so um, this is a space where, regardless of where you fall on this, um, we can talk this through well and use some good um, thoughts and tools to help us do that too. Um, and so I appreciate that you come at this with such a thinking and sensitive yeah. way. And that's not always how it's been approached, you know. Yeah, that's right. And so, uh, again, we have, you know, slides here from 2018. Um, the way that the FBC University talk went was we kind of sp- spent the first night just talking about the history of this disagreement, which we kind of just went through. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, certainly we, we can pull up quotes and slides from, from some of the key figures on both sides. Um, there's a second part, which again, I've, I've got everything here if, if there are specific questions we want to work through. Uh, the second part looks at, at kind of the scientific understanding of you know, the, the age of the earth, the age of the universe, what is the data the scientists rely on, what's the observation that, that builds into the, the age model. Um, and we talk a little, you know, I've got some material here as well about evolution. I'm not a biologist, um, but I, I've got some summaries just if you've not had an opportunity to learn about those fields, we can talk through that. Uh, but I think what's also really interesting is to look at, from a historic church history perspective, um, how do people view Genesis? Yeah. Uh, because you're absolutely right. I mean, any piece of scripture, there's different ways to read it. That's, yeah. that's why we have denominations, right? Yeah. Um, and, um, but, but yeah, I, I mean, I have a particular view on, on Genesis and, and how that, that meshes with my understanding of science and creation, but mm-hmm. it's by no means the right one. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's easily nine or ten different ways you could read Genesis, and, and our early church fathers have, you know, probably written and testified about each of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. no, that's good. And so as we go through this, um, like you said, how have people approached this conversation as kind of like the fundamentals of, you know, if we're still pitting it as a debate, what are kind of the fundamental 
um, things on each side of that? And how can we have better conversations yeah. um, in this area? Yeah. Yeah. So let me, let me jump forward a little bit. Um, so some of the ground rules that we've used in past conversations is that um, we, I think we all need to be in agreement that, that God created, God sustains, and God governs the universe, mm-hmm. right? That the universe was created with intent. If, if we can't agree that God created the universe with intent, I don't think it's really useful for us to have this conversation. <laughs> but also that, that God is, he, he didn't set it in motion and leave it alone. That God's an active participant in the things that exist, that, that things that occur um, in, in the, the universe and specifically, you know, in the, the small piece of creation that we experience. Mm-hmm. Um, also that God reveals himself to humanity that we might know him and be in relationship with him. Mm-hmm. That there's, that some of the purpose of creation is to form relationship with the, the most particular part of his creation, which is humanity. Um, and that relationship is built upon us seeking to understand him, mm-hmm. seeking to understand creation. Um, and then the, the third part is uh, that, that salvation is, is not based on what I think about Genesis. Yeah. Salvation is accomplished through, through Christ's sacrifice and his victory over death. And, and um, you know, if, if, if we're going to insert... Genesis or Revelation or something else into a, a salvation uh, requirement, we really need to rethink, you know, the Roman road, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, that, that, that's, that's not something um, that should be interfering with my personal relationship with, with Christ. And I don't want my particular views to be a stumbling block for anyone else's mm-hmm. a, a relationship yeah. with Christ. Yeah. Um, that's important, right? And that's, yeah. that's a... An, a good application of that scripture of, um, you know, don't become a stumbling block to your neighbor. Even if you feel free to um, interpret scripture in this way or to believe this thing, if that's a stumbling block for somebody else, then yeah. we need to check ourselves. That's, we don't always apply that verse in this kind of context. Yeah. And that's useful. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then I think I did, I did have a couple of quotes just to kind of set the stage. So Christopher Hitchens um, has, has uh, passed away in the last few years, but um, there are a couple of really uh, top proponents of the new atheism. Christopher Hitchens is another one. Uh, and uh, this quote by him, our belief is not a belief. Our principles are not a faith. We do not rely solely upon science and reason because, they, uh, because these are necessary rather than sufficient factors, but we distrust anything that contradicts science or outrages reason. Um, sorry, give me just a second. So that's the, ex- or the more... Uh... I don't know how you describe it, not extreme, but um, steadfast <laughs> scientific. Yeah, that's right. And, and what's, it's a very unscientific uh, approach. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that we are so confident that we've got it right, nothing's going to convince us otherwise. Yeah. I, I'd say that's the, the exact opposite of a, a, of a scientific minded, an open hearted approach to understanding yeah. uh, the world around us. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's not open-minded. He's, he's not fair in assessing non-scientific ideas. He just dismisses them out of hand. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's not the mark of a good researcher, uh, yeah. in my opinion. Um, and then the, the next quote I have is, is uh, from Ken Ham, who's um, one of the more public faces on, on the opposite side of the coin, the young, um, it, more, more specifically um, from a young earth creation perspective. And he said, no apparent per- perceived or claimed evidence in any field including history and chronology, can be valid if it contradicts the scriptural record. Now, this I, I agree with to a point, right, that, that scripture has primacy, right, that, that uh, scripture is not incorrect. 
Um, but I think we have to be careful. You know, I'm a fallen mm -hmm. person. And how confident am I that I'm reading the right meaning into scripture every time I, I open it? Mm -hmm. I hope I do. But I can also tell you that um, I read scripture very differently now than I did when I was in high school yeah. or since I had kids. That Not to say that the meaning of the scripture changed, mm -hmm. but the, the importance of that scripture being placed before me is different at this stage of my life than it was yeah. you know, maybe 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Yeah. And so I think we have to be, we have to be cautious uh, that we don't think so highly of our own um, interpretation mm -hmm. um, to, to uh, move beyond the possibility that I, I might get it wrong. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's important, Mark, because actually um, our speaker at the, the very last midweek in the city, he's actually, he wrote a book on Revelation, and so he's going to, we're starting in Genesis here, and then, we'll, you know, in I a few weeks we'll have Revelation. Yeah, I don't envy I wouldn't. His... I wouldn't dare touch Revelation. No, me neither. But... I'd be very interested to go to that one. That, <laughs> that's why that I say, come and join us at midweek. Yeah. But um, churches have split over these things in Genesis. They've split over the things that we see in Revelation and different interpretations of that. They've split over far more minute things, everything in between those two books, right? And so um, when we say that treading carefully here is important um, because churches have split and done serious damage um, over the way that they go about these things. And so I appreciate the... Let's proceed yeah. with caution here. Yeah. <laughs> Viewpoint. So, yeah, yeah um, and then I'll, just to kind of summarize. Um, so, uh, if if you wanted to make a case that science disproves religion, um, you know, if you're an extremist in that perspective, you might say that. So, scientific evidence for the Big Bang, Big Bang explains how the universe was formed. Um, scientific evidence for evolution explains how life came to be, including humans. And if the scientific explanations don't require God's intervention, then God must not exist. Mm. And that, that's, again, that's not a scientific view. Yeah. Just because it's not a requirement does not prove it doesn't exist, yeah. right? Uh, whereas uh, on the opposite side of the coin, you'd have, you know, can a person of faith trust science? And so you might, from an extreme view, say, I, I know God does exist, therefore the science must be wrong. Um, if I have to choose between believing scientists, believing what science tells me, or believing scripture, I will trust scripture. Um, and if some areas of scientific research are in conflict with the Bible, can I trust anything else that scientists say? Mm, yeah. So again, it's a, there's, there's no grace here. Um, both arguments, I think, would say that there's, there's no opportunity for science and faith to coexist. Mm -hmm. uh, which is interesting because it means that uh, if I'm if I'm Richard Dawkins, I have to assume that um, that Genesis is is an absolutely literal you know, six thousand uh, year old creation, mm -hmm. because if I allow there to be any other um, understanding or, or reading of Genesis, then my conflict disappears. Yeah. Right. So if I'm going to say that the Big Bang model disproves Christianity then Genesis could have no other reading except for you know, a literal 24-hour creation that's yeah. 6,000 years old, yeah. which is really interesting. Uh, so it'd be really interesting to go ask, you know, go talk to Richard Dawkins and say, so I understand you're a young earth creationist, <laughs> right? Because again, you have to, he has to say that there's no room for overlap yeah. or else he can't, he can't sell his books. Yeah, right. So. That's true. Yeah. That's true. We're all trying to make money in this debate too. Yeah. Yeah.
Um, and so also as we go through this, like I said, um, there's a lot of questions that have probably already come to your mind as we talk through this. So um, we're going to let this be, especially if Matthew's okay with it, kind of be it more dialectical. So um, as questions come up for you, um, feel free to raise your hand and, and we'll get to that. And it might be um, something in the material that he talked about or um, something that we can spend some time on. But any, has any questions come up so far for y'all as we've kind of just scratched the surface with this? It's okay if they haven't. <laughs> Um, as we go, just feel free to raise your hand and we can um, keep working through that. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I think that science is just like for, for some of these guys, Dawkins and uh, Darwin Hitchens, it's not. I, I just strongly suspect that they're not being honest when they arrive at this conclusion. Oh, it, absolutely. I, I, I mean, some people pick things other than science. Yeah. Just yeah. Science, but in kind, it's no different than yeah. the, the person who yeah. finds their own excuse for not Yeah, actually, I, I, I feel very similarly. I, I really wonder if someone like Richard Dawkins is just without hope, right? Mm. And, you know, rather than consider that there's some overall plan or some guiding force out there that can bring him hope, he'd rather remove all hope and all intentionality behind creation. You know, that rather than seek uh, something to, to remove despair, he'd rather just say, well, all of us have no meaning. So I'm, it's not me that's feeling disconnected or despairing. Mm. It's really everybody because there's no plan for anything. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I think... Uh, I really appreciate you saying that because I've definitely read and listened to some of uh, Richard Dawkins' uh, interviews, and you just you feel like this guy's got no hope. Like he has no, he, he's he's in despair and and in denial about that, and this is his coping mechanism. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, and so, like with that, um, how can we even start <laughs> with a more open mind to kind of start? examining, and that's really the, the hope, right, is that 
we know what we hold true about about Christ, about the gospel, right? And so instead of saying, well, therefore, all of science can't be true, you know, taking this kind of approach, like you said, and saying we have to just throw everything out that sounds like it doesn't um, perfectly match with my understanding of scripture, how can we start to be curious and and look at things um, with some level of objectivity, right? And to be able to kind of approach science in a slightly less critical, more open yeah. way. So I, I think um, uh, so some of these the new atheist scientists, I th- you, maybe they think we envision God as a magician mm-hmm. um, and just you know, kind of creating everything, like, um, yeah, just using magic yeah. to kind of make things happen. Yeah. Um, and so uh, you know, one of the things that we talk about, um, sorry, let me skip ahead. Uh, is talking about uh, God's control of creation through natural processes. And so the, the example I like to use uh, is from uh, so Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 28, 12. Uh, the Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, God, uh, Scripture tells us that God, God controls the weather, right? Um, but scientists tell us that uh, that rain actually is a natural cycle of evaporation, condensation, and precipitation, right? So what, you know, do we have to choose? Yeah. You know, is it, which one is correct? Is, is the weatherman trying to undermine my faith? Because <laughs> I know that God has storehouses of rain in heaven that he sends you know, when he will, but the weatherman tells me that it's going to rain in five days. How does he know? <laughs> Right? Not that I necessarily trust the five-day forecast, but you know, that's a different that's Maybe a different weathermen issue. are just the most holy of us all, and they just that, know. That's yeah. right. You know, but likewise, I don't think Deuteronomy is trying to teach me uh, uh, meteorology. Right? That's not the intent. The intent of that scripture is that God governs creation through natural processes. So yes, God works miracles, absolutely. And we have scriptural record of where he has intervened beyond what natural law will allow. Yeah. But God also governs creation through natural processes. Mm-hmm. He sends famine. He sends drought. He sends rain. You know, and just because we understand scientifically where rain comes from, how, I mean, it's ridiculous to say that that now diminishes the character of God. Yeah. But in effect, that's what people say about evolution and the Big Bang, mm-hmm. that, oh, well, we have an explanation, so we don't need God. Well, okay. But yeah. again, yeah. case at twelve isn't going to make me question my faith. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah. I think I think we have to be an op- open-minded in that the 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 structure of the argument has been predetermined by in, intentionally atheistic scientific arguments that mm. we don't need to allow ourselves to be boxed in to justify uh, to people who don't have Christianity's best interest in mind. We don't have to justify. Um, who we think God is, mm-hmm. right? That, that God works naturally, God works through m- miraculously, and um, I, I, don't, I don't have to subscribe to the argument that uh, because science exists, God doesn't. Yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, I like the rain example there, right? Because all of us have learned the rain cycle like in fifth grade or whenever that is, right? And we wouldn't stand up to our teacher and say, no. <laughs> 
Like the, the Bible explains yeah, this, right? That's, right. We, that's not where we have that conversation, right? But that's a, a small example of a wider way of thinking that, um, yeah, that we're not, we're not thinking through all the way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think another way to kind of, I guess, warm up to the, to the discussion would be, um, you, do we trust that God gifts people in certain ways? And does he intend those gifts to be used uh, to grow his kingdom, to, to worship him, to glorify him? Mm-hmm. Right. N- nobody has an issue if I say that you know, my wife is musically gifted in order that she might praise and worship God through that gift of music. Mm-hmm. Right. Is it really such a bad deal that I think I've been gifted from a mathematical and scientific perspective? Mm-hmm. And how do I use that to glorify God? Mm-hmm. Right? So if, if I feel like God has given me an inquisitive mind, um, a desire to learn about creation, um, isn't it the opposite of worshiping God if I choose not to use that? Mm-hmm. Because I, I feel that, um, that science is antithetical to, to mm-hmm. faith. Yeah, because that's theoretically, right? And you, you give some of this, science is a study of the created world, Yeah. right? And there's all different mechanisms of doing that but if science is a a study of the created world and it's a world created by god mm-hmm. then does that mean that science is really a a god-pleasing god-ordained activity right i don't think we always view science in that way but is yeah. that a way that we could kind of reshape how well, we think about who i i, I didn't go to seminary you'll have to tell me who was it it was it augustine someone said that you, there's the book of the scripture and there's the book of creation mm. Right, and both of those lead us to God. Right, so if you know, and I mean, you know, the rocks will cry out, mm-hmm. right, in, yeah. in worship of God. You know, the heavens declare the glory. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't, I don't think it's uh, it, there's any shortcoming in science to, to pursue knowledge and understanding of creation as an act of worship is entirely appropriate. Mm-hmm. But then I'm a scientist, so I'm a little biased. <laughs> but 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 you know, God created. The universe and called it good, and so if I if I learn about creation, um, I see the goodness of God's work through that. Mm-hmm. Not I, I don't see something that leads me away. Yeah, um, I only am led away by by people who tell me I'm I'm interpreting it wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's um, again as y'all have questions, feel free to um, jump in. But that's something that I until we were speaking in preparation for this, um, I've always viewed this debate, and it's kind of like a, a, a bad movie where it's like the science professor versus the really strong in their faith student, right. right? And they have this debate, right? That's kind of all, that's how I've pictured this debate. And I've always pictured it as, um, maybe this is just because how it's how I experienced it, that this person who's grounded in science is saying, well, this is what we found. And the the strong kind of Christians in the room are sort of throwing tomatoes at that person. And really what you're saying is there's kind of an opposite view of there's been some staunch scientists that have kind of been more of the aggressors of this conversation. And I had no idea um, that, well, I I knew to some degree, but um, that kind of widened my perspective of how this conversation has happened throughout history. But yeah, Ross. Yeah. I think it just it's when a scientist 
Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You know how biology works, but you can't go into your lab and, and create a human being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's the it's the mind of arrogance that says, well, therefore there's no God, just yeah. because I know how it works. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, it's almost an idolatry of knowledge or an idolatry of mm. self. Yeah, right? that's good. Yeah. yeah, but that again, that's you know, that's pushing science too far. Uh, and so I, you know, I've, I've mentioned the term new atheism. There's also a term called scientism, which is an attempt to take what we observe in in science in natural sciences and force it to tell us something about morality. And that's not valid, right? That, you know, God is the source of morality. God is the source of the natural order. Mm -hmm. And um, it, yes, it's idolatrous to say that because I understand something, I, I now can dictate what the implications are of that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And that's what, yeah, we're, we're pushing that work of science to do more than it's really meant to do or what it's trying to do, right? When we yeah. say, this is the end all be all of, um, the meaning and the the how of all of creation, right? That's not yeah. what science is meant to do. That's right. right. Um, um, sorry, yeah. I was trying to find my slide. No, you're good. Uh, sorry. No, I'm you're in fine. Wrong spot. Mm -hmm. Blaze, did you we'll have there. a question too? Uh, Yeah, there's... So, how do you explain that in terms of an That's a bad example, but with like with certain creatures, you know, they they have you know bones in their beak that enable them to do certain things, but those things don't need to be done unless you have the beak. So it's there's Yeah, it, yeah, and again, it's it's people they're they're trying to read more into what the science says than is actually there, mm -hmm. right? And, and to Blaze's point, there's this um, this concept called uh, uh, like the God of the gaps. I don't know if you're familiar with that. And um, but but I agree, you, you run a risk again. You 
if you if you make that kind of an, an argument that you know here's this gap in human understanding, so it it must be God. Now, yes, it is God because God is the God of natural processes. But if you try to say that there is no natural process, it was a miraculous process, we might one day down the road find additional scientific evidence to help illustrate what the part, a small piece of that, you know, there's some more natural process here, and then God shrinks, right? And, and that's the wrong approach. It's, it's sticking to the argument that science says God is this in this box, and we have an explanation for the box, so there is no God, right? <laughs> And, but you're right, as certainly for me personally, as I have learned more and been exposed to more concepts, my understanding and appreciation and worship of God grows. And so you have to be careful not to adhere to the arguments of the world to say you're only allowed the magic steps to argue your God because when those get closer and closer together, they're going to tell you your God is shrinking, and that's mm. not true. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know, yeah. And so, like, yeah. Mm. yeah, and I mean, just because we, we pray for things that could naturally occur, it doesn't mean that when they happen that it, it wasn't God responding to the prayer, right? I mean, there is, there is value in us you know, asking things of the Lord. So even, even though I'm asking that, um, you know, someone will be healed of, of cancer, as they're going through chemotherapy, it, you know, just because the chemotherapy is, ex, is, is uh, successful, it doesn't do anything to diminish um, that, that God is the God of the natural process that allows chemotherapy to function, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Thanks, Blaze. That, that's a good yeah. comment. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, and I, moving the, the sticks in that way to say, because um, I think that's been the troublesome argument is that the more that science progresses, which is theoretically, we're gonna keep learning more and more, right? Yeah. Um, it's almost like the more science advances, then the, the, the smaller um, the, the pole that we can stand on when we're making arguments for God, yeah. right? And it should do the exact opposite, like what you're saying. Yeah. But how can we, um, and it's, again, not that everyone has to agree on these things, right? That doesn't mean we all need to just decide right here and right now what we think about evolution, right? That's not what we're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be here all night, right? <laughs> but, you know, and we can walk away from this conversation still disagreeing about all of these things, right? Because it's not necessary for salvation, yeah. right? But how can we move the sticks a little bit towards um, that view of, of curiosity rather than because it feels like a defensive posture yeah. that we've seen most Christians and, like you said, some scientists have towards this, right? It's yeah. um, the more evidence that science comes up with, the more I need to defend my faith, right? Yeah. How can we improve there? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, obviously I should write that book and make <laughs> yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. No, I, again, I think, um, I think, you know, Blaze and Ross and I, we kind of just talked yeah. about that, right? Yeah. Is, that's not the right conversation to have, mm -hmm. right? That, that's a conversation that was set by people who want to defeat Christianity. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so if, if someone says to me, you know, 
we have evidence for evolution, so why are you a Christian? I mean, there's nothing about evolution that precludes God can work through that mechanism if mm. that's what he desired. Mm. Um, and, and I think I think we just have to, to discard that line of, of reasoning yeah. um, because it's not it's not value added. It's not good faith debate, mm-hmm. right? Um, because they're they're trying to force you into a position um, where you have to either affirm science or affirm yeah. the, the Bible. Mm-hmm. And and again, I, I don't see that those um, are by requirement um, in conflict because God is the author of creation as He is the author of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, good. Yeah, yeah, because if, I mean, if I'm, if I'm told, not, not yeah, that yeah, yeah, right, yeah, challenge yeah. each other, yeah, exactly, yeah. right, yeah. 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 yeah, you know, if I have the sin- sincerely held belief of, of you know, uh, a 24-hour creation days, and someone tells me, oh, no, I mean, we have evidence of the Big Bang, this is ridiculous, and, and they only allow me to have one or the other, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to go with scripture. I, you know, I, I have a, a sincere belief in God. And if, if that's the only, only avenue you'll give me is to fully reject scripture because you've told me I have to, then I, I'm, going to, I'm going to say, no, I, I'll reject the science. And, and that's what we have to get out of because they don't have to be contradictory. But that's, that's I, in my opinion, most of uh, the people I've had, most of the believers I've had you know, kind of these hard conversations with that was their experience, you know. Maybe, maybe, you know. Honestly, even as as kids or you know, going going, you know, growing up in school, you you receive this message that you can't you can't have both, and so I, I think it's a very sincere response that um, that a lot of people have uh, to say if if you're going to tell me I have to stop being a Christian mm-hmm. because of your scientific paper, I don't believe your scientific paper. Yeah. So I yeah. I think it's reasonable for people to react in that way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, like you said, we've created this kind of false dichotomy, right? And hot take: most I, I, dichotomies I, 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 are false. <laughs> I don't know. Again, I, I I don't really think Christians have created it. Yeah, right. Right, but but we have been on the defensive. Yeah, and we've played into it. Yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, I, I've certainly had much more confrontation uh, with with non-believers on these kinds of topics. I've also had hard conversations with fellow believers, yeah. and and I think that's that's you know the power of the enemy at work mm-hmm. that we've internalized this kind of belief structure or this this debate structure to where we reject fellow Christians yeah. um, because we don't understand how they can make um, a different view work because again we've only been told it's it's either A or B there's nothing in between mm-hmm. yeah and, that, and that's another thing we really have to avoid we really have to be grace-filled, um, and I mean, we see that in scripture as well, that, um, is it, I'm sorry, I, again, I'm drawing a blank, is it, you know, Peter, uh, we, we have the instruction that if, um, actually, it's really relevant for the Galatians study, that, you know, if there are believers who feel very strongly that they must keep kosher, uh, it's on me to, to be kosher around them, to not be a stumbling block to them, to show grace, even though I have a disagreement with them, that whether that is a requirement for being a good Christian, um, 
obviously Paul didn't really do that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a little bit different from what we've been talking about in, in, uh, in Reverse lately. Yeah. But we're called to, to show grace to fellow believers um, and, and to have open and fair-minded discussions about the right uh, reading and, and application of Scripture. Yeah. 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 Um, and so that's what, that's what has come up a lot at midweek. And this thing that, you know, some dichotomies exist but not nearly as many as we think they do, right? Because we kind of create these false, like it has to be either A or B, yeah. right? And um, most of the time, the truth is somewhere in the middle, yeah. right? The Venn diagram crosses over and there's this truth where those things cross over that um, we can't always make sense of or, or see clearly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so there's all kinds of things that we could talk about with this, right? Yeah. <laughs> We, we could take this in all kinds of directions. Before we do that, because I want to, if y'all are like, okay, let's do it, about um, whatever scientific issue that comes to mind. But as we go, are there resources or um, places that we can start if we're going to say, okay, um, I want to I work on this in my own spiritual life? What are some good things to read? I know you brought a couple books yeah. to look at. Uh, yeah, so I've got, I've got um, two books I brought with me tonight. So the first one is a book called Origins, uh, Christian Perspectives on Creation, Evolution, and Intelligent Design. Um, it's by husband and wife couple, uh, the, uh, Deborah and Lauren Harzma, and uh, they're both physicists, so, you know, props there. Uh, they teach at Calvin College. So they're, they're, they're very, really con- conservative Christian believers. And um, the book that they've written is, this is a lot of the source material for my FBC University talk. Um, and they do a, a very nice job of kind of walking through the historical perspective on conflict between science and faith. Mm-hmm. Um, they look at um, how scientific understanding of the age of the earth, the age of uh, the universe, has evolved over time as we've learned new things. Uh, you know, 200 years ago, scientists had a very different view about the age of the universe compared to what we, you know, what scientists believe today. Mm-hmm. Similarly, with you know, they they work through biology and. Not just evolution, but how um, you know, uh, genetic uh, inheritance is is really an important concept in many fields of science, medicine, and biology, and and uh, I mean even in forestry and in animal husbandry. Right? These these are important things um, that we've used uh, to be good stewards of creation. Mm-hmm. But they also spend a lot of time talking about Genesis, about Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Uh, again, they take a historical perspective. What did the early church fathers believe about, uh, about Genesis and what did they consider to be uh, an appropriate way to, to read those scriptures um, and to be a participant in um, kind of the, the social community of, that included people who didn't mm-hmm. believe? Um, all the way up till you know, to today. Um, I mean, there's something, they have something like nine or ten different reasonable readings of Genesis mm-hmm. that, that, that um, Christians hold and, and do hold. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've, I've probably gone through a couple of those over the course of my life. <laughs> um, but I, I found it to be a very, a very useful resource for believers because it, 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 it um, you, even if I didn't have a scientific background, I think they do a nice job of introducing you to topics that you know, maybe you've avoided or um, it, you know ignored because you've been told you, you shouldn't you know shouldn't read or understand these things, um, but they take a very general approach. Mm-hmm. They understand, I think, that the um, that you know any any ten people are going to have ten different understandings of, of scripture, yeah. and so they do a very e- fair way of saying you know here's the available scientific data, 
here are the available theological views of, of Genesis. And you really have to trust in the guidance of the Holy Spirit to how are you going to um, hold, hold scripture in high esteem and use that to interpret how creation um, praises God and guides uh, people to God. So I, I really recommend this book. The other book I brought with me um, is very new. It's called Coming to Faith Through Dawkins. So it's a collection of, uh, of essays of people who you know, came from a, an unbelieving background. Um, you know, some of them are scientists. Some of them you work in, in very different fields, you know, marketing, that kind of thing. And um, through the course of reading The God Delusion and other New Atheism books, uh, they realized that actually a world without the moral foundation of, of God is not a world that they want to live in. And, and that the, the world, that th this, um, this intentional rejection of, of religion and of um, a God's providence leads you to a place of despair. Mm -hmm. And that there must be more to existence mm -hmm. uh, than, than just this, this kind of uh, cold, dark earth at the end of time. Yeah. Um, so both, <laughs> both are really good. Um, <laughs> That is bleak. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so I, I um, it, yeah, um, I, definitely the Origins book, it, it has a lot of yeah. good material in it. Um, and then Coming to Faith Through Dawkins, again, it, it gives you some, if you've not read any of these these books by Dawkins or Hitchens, it, it gives you a little bit of understanding of, of the points they try to get across and why they wrote the books that they wrote. Mm -hmm. um, and it gives you, I think, um, um, good testimony from fellow believers who've gone through that process of trying to understand and internalize um, this this anti-religious viewpoint and just found that they can't. They can't hold that and that there must be something more. And so I, I like uh, both books very much. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, so I know we could go in a lot of directions with this, but um, any questions that y'all have had come to mind? Yeah, Dean. Uh, so I, I personally, um, you believe that the scientific evidence that we observe um, is is true, um, and that the, the universe is very old. Yeah, so what's tough, um, uh, the, there's nothing wrong, uh, um, you take a younger th view of uh, a reading of Genesis, um, to me it would, it, it elevates the power and glory of God, that God was able to create something in such an incredibly short span of time, we can't comprehend it. And that our best understanding is actually it, it didn't take seven days, it didn't take 6,000 years, it took 13 billion years. Right? And, and so, I, I, you know, having that conversation, I think what I would think about, the, the issue I think I have with, um, uh, with taking a younger view of creation is I, I would want to understand why, why does creation appear older than that? Um, to me, I have difficulty understanding that um, God intends creation to be a good thing, um, to lead us to him. Um, and then, you know, scientists who are earnestly trying to understand the universe, they find something very different. And so, does that lead people to an understanding of a creator, or does it push them away? And I think that's, to me, that's a central conflict I have uh, with taking a younger view 
um, of, of creation. Um, but there are reasonable perspectives. I mean, we also know that creation has fallen, right? And so it could be that the reason why creation no longer perfectly represents um, the mechanisms by which God created everything, maybe it's a result of sin entering creation. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't have a good answer for that. I don't know. But, you know, the way I read Genesis and my experience as a scientist learning and researching and understanding more about natural order and the processes God set in place leads me to a view that God enabled us to, to go out and, and seek to understand creation. And there's a reason for that. And, and that uh, I, need to, uh, I need to have some trust in what God has gifted us to go out and understand. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, by way of analogy or parallelism, so Adam, do you read personally, mm -hmm. and does this reconcile with your, your interpretation of Genesis, that Adam was a unique special creation of God, mm -hmm. or that mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> Adam, and Adam was the first human. Right, right. You, you know, so, so which of those are you? And mm -hmm. if you are... As if that first question wasn't hard enough. No, that's right. <laughs> Go ahead. And if you are a special creationist of uh -huh. Adam, Adam was a boom. Yeah. You know, if God created him as a 30-year-old man, then he... <laughs> I absolutely love that question. That's a so, cool analogy with Adam, and I've no, never no, heard that specific Yeah, analogy. it's That's great. Cool. And, and to me, this is one of the things I've most enjoyed about reading this book and trying, you know, in my poorer way to, to, to talk through that with people, is you, you have lots of interesting questions. I, I mean, you wonder if this is what early church fathers were like, where they're trying to understand this new theology, this new belief system, and how does it work with everything? So in specific answer to your question, I, I believe that it is vitally important, not just to Genesis, but to the whole meta-narrative of salvation, that Adam was a real specific person because God had a relationship with Adam and Eve. And it, yeah. it, I, 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 don't, I think that saying that Adam is just a generic, this was humanity, you know, that this is, he's a representative of early humans, I think that diminishes God. I think it, it discounts mm -hmm. the fact that God desires close personal relationships with individuals. So I do believe that, that Adam um, was, was specially created by God and was a real individual person. Um, I really like your analogy about yeah. um, Adam being created you know, at 30 years old, despite being only a few seconds old. Yeah. Um, but in answer to your question, could creation be the same? I would still have difficulty with the same, in the same response that I gave to the previous question, which is, I, I find that if Adam was specially created, that that, um, that, that 
causes God to be bigger, right? God um, specifically deemed humanity would be a special creation with a unique personal relationship with him, and that especially creating Adam is fundamental to that aspect of God. But I, I still would have difficulty with if God created the universe to appear 13 billion years old, how does that, um, how does that mm -hmm. increase God, right? How does that um, speak towards God, God's desire for creation to glorify him? If, if he created it to appear 13 billion years old. But again, I, th I think people sincerely w would, would say that they have a sincere belief that creating something to appear to be 13 billion years old is a lot more complicated than creating something 13 billion years old, you know, 13 billion years ago. Um, it's not the way that I would view and interpret that, but I, I think there's validity to having mm -hmm. that perspective. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I like the analogy. I do think that there's a difference in how those two speak to the character of God. Mm. Is that fair? <laughs> no, that's... I like that. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you mean we're not going to settle it? I'm doing what I can. <laughs> Never in my life thought about that in that way. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. He, he created it with complexity in an instant. Yeah. Is your point? Yeah. Yeah. So like that could be, as as Ross was saying, it could be applied perhaps to the universe. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean that's really fair. I mean you say the same thing about water into wine right? That wine has an aging process. And so he's, he's in increasing the complexity of something in an instant. Um, again, a counterpoint I would say to both of those is there were people there to witness the miraculous nature of those occurrences, mm. right? And, and so um, how um, have, having you know, creation appear in an instant, we are not there to witness it. And I don't know, you could say that that's a cop-out, that we weren't there to see it, so how do we know? Uh, right, but but again, uh, um, and again, I'm not trying to lean really, really heavily on my particular perspective. Uh, I'm just trying to answer it that the way I think about those things. Yeah. That to me, there is merit in God instantaneously creating the bread and the fish, so that all who were present were witness to God's supernatural power over creation. Um, but that doesn't preclude the fact that God can also use natural processes to, to accomplish His own ends. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good. Those are both yeah. really good analogies I hadn't thought about before. I appreciate both of yeah. those. And is that now I'm going totally off aspect, <laughs> but um, we know that our understanding of time is different. You know, we read about heaven and eternity, right? And we, we read the great divorce over the summer, right? And even that alone kind of like gives you a headache when yeah. you're thinking about time, right? Yeah. So in these kinds of conversations, is there something to be said for our linear understanding of time, um, if we stick to that, right? That that's yeah. what's problematic about this, or that if we had a grander, um, God is outside of time, um, yeah. if we included that in our thinking on this, would that kind of help 
Yeah, I, I mean, there's bring this together. Yeah, you know, there's there's other other views of uh, the creation narrative. Um, I mean, the day age um, understanding is something that I think a lot of us are familiar with. That you know, to to God, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. Or you know, He told Adam that surely in the day that you eat of the fruit you will die. Mm-hmm. But He lived to be nine hundred and thirty. <laughs> but hey, that's less than a thousand years. So maybe God meant His time zone. <laughs> Right. So, but that's anyways, awesome. that's a really bad joke. No, I like that. I'm not going to use that next time. No, anyways, I was, but, uh, it's really good. I just never thought about uh, it like right. that. But, but so, so day, day age uh, approximation uh, interpretation would be um, so that, you know, on the first day, God created the heavens and the earth. But, you know, there's no sun and there's no earth that's rotating. So day doesn't have to be 24 hours, right? It could, you know, it may just mean a period of time. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, people will take that kind of view. Um, oh, what was the other one I was going to mention? Uh, another uh, another view is uh, like Proclamation Day or Revelation Day. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the creation account was was revealed to someone who wrote them down, and so maybe on the first day, God revealed to man how He created the heavens and the earth, mm-hmm. and on on the next day in which He revealed things, right? Mm-hmm. Then then He showed how, you know, He He formed. Uh, you know, stars. And, I'm sorry, I'm going to get things out of order. Um, uh, and, yeah. and so there, there are other ways where people will try to read into um, what does a day mean in the context of Genesis? Does it mean 24 hours, or, or is it a record of in a different way that we don't understand? Mm-hmm. And, and does it have meaning because you know God's not bounded by mm-hmm. by time um, in in the very literal progressive way that that humans must experience mm-hmm. um, our lives? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's awesome. Yeah, that scientists don't have a good definition of what time is. Actually. Right. There's no definition of that. That's right. Why yeah, do, that's yeah, why does... Yeah, that's right. definition I've ever heard is pretty handy. What's entropy then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone has a different definition of that themselves. Yeah, so just in answer to your question about entropy. So the idea would be if you knock a coffee cup off the table and it falls on the floor and it breaks it has become more disordered. So it has more, entropy is a measurement of disorder. And um, you never see a pile of you know, shards of ceramic suddenly reassemble themselves into a coffee cup. That that's the opposite direction from which, that's it, it, a, it's a decrease in entropy, and that's not the way that, that's not the direction that time flows. That's a very, hey, I'm a physicist, this is how entropy works kind of answer. <laughs> but just to, just to give you background. But, but no, there's no particular reason why, like, we don't know why time flows the direction that it does, you know. And that, yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, um, time reversal symmetry is is a, is like a, a qualifying check for some scientific theorems, right? What yeah. was that? I, I don't know what that means, so I can explain <laughs> that one. Yeah, that's good. Any other questions? Yeah. Physics of time at the beginning stages of the 
Yeah, and that's right. So are you familiar with the cosmic microwave background? Yeah, background radiation. Um, so that's that's kind of the residual heat energy of the Big Bang. That you know, initially you have all these hydrogen nuclei and all these electrons, and when they when they pair, they release photons. And the expansion of space over time has extended the wavelength of those photons to now that they're they're actually very very cold, you know, very very long wavelength. And so um, I have heard some similar discussion that. In the same way that time, that space has expanded, um, does that actually impact our understanding of what time meant? Reading backward, right? Now that's and that's a really cool idea. I'm not as knowledgeable about that concept, but it's the same idea as understanding the the cosmic microwave background. That um, that yes, the conditions in, in, immediately after the Big Bang, you know, the universe has expanded expanded substantially. So, do we actually have a good measurement of the time elapsed? Right. That's that's your point. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> it's all relative. Something like that. We can go home. It's all. Yeah. It's all made up, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we did. Yes. That's right. But you know what's what's great about about the conversation is that we're all in total agreement that God created the yeah. universe, and we're trying to understand, you know. How was that done, and how does that pair with scripture? Right. That that's the whole. That's what the conversation needs to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's what when we're talking about, um, right? There's it is okay to, for someone to walk away from Genesis, um, you know, for two people to walk away having slightly different takes on exactly how to interpret that, right? Yeah. But um, the point, the some of this is, are we asking scripture to be a fact and history book, which, you know, some of this, you know, we can say we're asking science to do more than it was meant to do. Um, Scripture is meant to tell the story of God and reveal who God is so that we we might be in relationship with him, right? It is not to give a timeline and an account. That doesn't mean that it doesn't inform that, right? But um, we can do the same thing with Scripture where we're asking it to... um, Fill in all of these yeah. question marks. Yeah, and so you, you run the risk uh, on either extreme of, am, do I want to do I want to modify and mangle scripture so I don't have to give up science, or do I want to modify and mangle or reject the science so that it nicely fits in with the scripture? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't I don't think that's the the right approach. I think you, we have I have to recognize I have to be humble that. Um, I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't know all of how creation came to be, and I, I don't have a perfect reading of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand that the importance of Genesis is to teach me that God created the universe with intent and with purpose and with order, mm-hmm. uh, and that God created um, people um, to have stewardship over creation to understand and seek you know, seek to find a, about God and about creation to, to strengthen our relationship with him mm-hmm. and within those very key concepts I think those are vital regardless of how you read Genesis those are the big takeaways mm-hmm. and so I have to I have to find a way to make my understanding of science and my understanding of scripture be consistent with the, the key there that, that God created God desires relationship mm-hmm. yeah that's good. And that's what you said. We have to be, 
we have to carry humility while we're doing yeah. this work, right? And I think yeah. that's where we, um, as soon as we drop that um, yeah. that humility, then that's where we get into trouble, yeah. right? And so yeah. that's, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and so in the same way, you know, Ross, with your, your questions are, are very, very good ones that mm -hmm. I, I have to, you know, some of them, Again, the, you know, the analogy of Adam's apparent age of creation of 30, I, I, it's not awesome. one I, I thought to apply to the apparent age of creation. Yeah. And the same way I talked about what gives me pause, uh, I would imagine that you have something that gives you pause uh, of taking a, a different view on, on Genesis 1. And that's fine, mm -hmm. because ultimately, neither one of us has a perfect reading of Scripture. But we agree on the fundamentals yeah. um, of, of why creation is here, what God desires us to, to know about him. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, it's totally fine to have these conversations. There are yeah. plenty of theological topics um, that Christians to this day don't have 100% agreement on. Yeah. And, and this is one of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's hopefully this conversation um, can help us move the needle just slightly even towards towards that idea and towards the maybe it doesn't have to be science versus faith, right? right. And if, if all we've done tonight is say, what if there's a world where it doesn't have to be science versus faith, yeah. then that's a pretty significant movement of the needle, right? Yeah. Um, any other questions or anything that has come to mind? Yeah, Dean. Well, so it depends on your definition of day, right? So is it, it, it is, or a day is when the sun goes from directly overhead to directly overhead again, which is 24 hours. Oh, the like four second, yeah, or four minute, uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I've gotten into that kind of d detail of a question. So the, the, the backdrop there, so the Earth's rotational period to go 360 degrees is 23 hours and 56 minutes. But in the course of that one day, we move one degree around the sun, and the sun is uh, about half, half a degree wide from our angle of view. So, so if you want the day to start at high noon, and then the next day to start at high noon, that's 24 hours. That's where the extra four minutes come from. It's because we've moved around the sun, and so we have to wait for it to get back overhead again. Mm -hmm. um, I've never had that conversation. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, no, that's good. But, but again, I mean, you still have to come back to, you know, before the sun was created, what is a day? Yeah. But again, I mean, there's there's perfectly you know reasonable explanations uh, of you know this that on the the first day this was created or don't you think god knew what 24 hours was going to be <laughs> so why couldn't it still be 24 hours mm -hmm. right I, so those aren't as interesting questions for me because it just comes down to um really splitting hairs that aren't important in terms of uh the reason behind Genesis. I, I don't want that to be a cop-out, but I have seen discussions where, where people get quite vitriolic because of, you know, what, it, you know, is it, the 24 hours is, is, is actually a thousand years, right? Because, you know, a day is like a thousand years or it's a literal 24. And um, I, I don't see as much value in, in that kind of, um, yeah, hair splitting. Yeah.
<laughs> right. Yeah. I'll Sabbath after well, I figure out if it was. You know, that's right. Yeah, and I, yeah. I like that point. I, I think, um, I hope this isn't controversial to say. I, mean, I kind of said it at the beginning about how I read scripture differently now than when I didn't have kids than when I was a kid myself. I, I think it's, there's a lot of validity in recognizing that, that scripture can carry within it multiple meanings at the same time that are not contradictory. Yeah. Um, so there's, um, is anyone here familiar with the creation poem view of Genesis? Mm-hmm. So th- this is nice. It, the idea is that um, Genesis 1, uh, th- there's a lot of parallels with oral traditions of that time. And that, um, it, that Genesis 1 ha- has a rhythm to it. It has, it has this structure to it. Um, the idea is that um, you have some initial problems that God resolved. So initially there was darkness. So uh, on day one, uh, so um, I don't know if I can switch presentations, but yeah. anyways, that, that you, have a, you have a problem and then God forms and then God fills. And so initially there's darkness. So then God separated the light from the darkness on day one. And then on day four, he filled the light and the darkness with the sun, moon, and stars. Mm-hmm. Um, you, another problem is the watery abyss. So on day two, God separates the waters, forming the firmament and the sky. And then on day five, he fills those with the birds and the fish. And then another problem is that the earth was formless and empty. So on day three, he separates the dry land from the ocean. He creates plants. And then on day six, he creates animals and humans. So you can line these up and and you see how God resolved a problem prior to creation by creating structure and then filling it. Mm-hmm. And the, the, I think e- even if that's a stretch of the interpretation, mm-hmm. I find meaning, I find a reinforcement of God's intention and purpose behind the structure of creation. Yeah. And I think it's entirely valid to take that kind of very literary approach to reading Genesis. Mm-hmm. But it does nothing to, dimi- to diminish um, the emphasis that that very same scripture carries on Sabbath mm-hmm. and, and does nothing to diminish um, the overall authority and authorship that God has over the universe. Yeah. So they're both, they're, they're all valid at the same time. Yeah. And that's what, with all of this, right, and the humility piece comes in here is at some point, and my personality is more of, you know, at some point we have to be okay with mystery and some, some things that we're not going to know on the side of heaven, right? Yeah. And Everyone's different there. In my personality, I'm like, oh, it's mystery. And I yeah. sleep really well at night. And just not being, not yeah. even being tempted to yeah. feel like I have to figure that out, right? But to a fault. <laughs> I'm like that, right? Um, there's some things that I should wrestle with that I just don't, right? But, well, but, yeah. you know, when I was a child, I thought like a child, right? There's, right. you know, no, yeah. no one's saying that we have to internalize and understand all of scripture right now to be a right. good Christian. Right. Right. There, there's a progression that we've all gone through from our, our childish understanding mm-hmm. to, to where we are now. Yeah. And we will continue to learn and grow and develop in our understanding of God in the future. God brings yeah. wisdom. Yeah. And that's what, you know, so as we're asking these kinds of questions and as we're, if you're going home saying, okay, maybe I need to think about this, you know, maybe when it comes to, you know, Genesis or, 
you know, or understanding the ideas behind evolution or, you know, whatever that is, um, carry with you enough humility to be able to say, there is enough mystery in all of this to make it beautiful and, um, and to remind me that, you know, as much as I can explore and be curious, and that's something that God calls us to do, there's the beautiful thing about this is that we're never going to yeah. say, well, we figured it out. Right? Yeah. Um, well, and that's something we need to carry because that's, like you said, it's prideful to yeah. assume that we've had, we have everything we need in order to understand on either yeah. side. Yeah. Well, and I, okay, I, so the last time I, I talked about this material was in 2018. And as I was going back through the material to, to you know, make sure everything looked, looked good for, for that session, I realized that one of the scientific uh, theories that I, I mentioned actually has now been discarded. <laughs> and it's, it's less than five years old, but anyways, yeah. and, and that's, that's talking about the heat death of the universe. And, and actually that's generally now considered not to be the final outcome of the universe mm-hmm. of increasing entropy until there's, there's, you know, there's a total distribution of heat. So you know, even, even then, I, you know, I had to, I found that what I had, what I what I had learned, had already been discounted mm-hmm. and needed to be modified. Yeah. And then this is, you know, probably the third or fourth time I've I've tried to have this kind of discussion, talk through some of this material, and I got not one but two questions that I've absolutely yeah. never heard before, and they're yeah. wonderful questions. Mm-hmm. So I really do appreciate those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's it. Um, I think. The scientific consensus, because it, it's not general agreement, is leaning more towards uh, an inflationary model of where you know that that um, universe could be cyclical, that it'll expand to a point, and then gravitational pressures will cause it to collapse back in. Whereas, uh, again, um, probably six or seven years ago now, when I first started putting some of this material together, um, the assumption was that that uh, the universe would continue to expand forever until everything's just a uniform soup of particles and and you, and nothing more can happen because there's no concentrations of heat or energy to cause reactions to occur and that, that's called the heat death and that that apparently has fallen out of popular uh, vogue for uh, what's going to happen in another however many billions of years yeah we won't have to worry about it either way we won't have to worry about it so that's encouraging mm-hmm. mm, yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah, and well, and there's there's you know ongoing research, and you know we, we don't have a, a full picture yet of you know what are dark matter, what is what is dark yeah. energy, and what are the because there are additional there are unexpected gravitational forces that those things ex- exert, and because we don't know what they are, that's why they call them dark. We don't know what dark matter is, but we know it's there, and so without a, a better understanding or, or theory of what that is and what is its long-term interaction on kind of the local space around it, we don't actually know um, whether that's gonna kind of overpower ex- uh, you know, inflationary pressures um, or if, if you know, gravitational pre- um, forces are sufficient to, call, to eventually slow down the rate of expansion and cause everything to collapse again. Mm-hmm. That we just don't know. It, it takes you know, a lot more measurement, a lot more data collection uh, to understand is is the universe expanding faster? Is it expanding at a constant rate, or is it expanding at a slower rate, which would suggest that it's going to collapse again?
Yeah. Yeah. It seems like you got to have a lot of faith in the math on, yeah. at that point. Yeah. 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 This is this, this yeah. is what they talk about at conferences. Really, that you know they present astronomical data, they, they present a lot of measurements, and they people try to say, well, this is what I think is going to happen, and people literally yell at them in the middle of their conference proceedings and say, no, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's getting get pretty entertaining. Yeah. String string. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> String, string, string theory is, is really just, it's a mathematical model to try to make things fit together. Um, it's beneficial to have math that works in that way, and it seems to be predictive, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that, that quantum strings exist, but mathematically, it, it fits. Yeah. 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 Okay, again, I've not been asked about string theory before, so we're... <laughs> Well, as you were explaining I gotta, that, I, brush up my I realized I was nodding along as if I totally understood <laughs> all of that. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> I, I, it's not. That's not at all my area of specialty at all. So that's awesome. Well, I know it's starting to get late. So can we thank Matthew for joining us? Um, I know. I love talking yeah. about this. Stuff, yeah. So well, and I'm. We've already said I think it would be beneficial for you to come again because there's like, okay. if you're willing. <laughs> Because there's so much more that we could unpack here, right? There's, yeah. there's a lot of conversations we can have here. So um, I appreciate y'all being open-minded to all these things. Um, this is a good example of how we can have this conversation yeah. um, and walk away still friends, right? <laughs> and so um, as we do, um, as we close, <laughs> or yeah, we've made new friends, hopefully. Um, as we do, um, I want y'all to pray around tables um, for each other. And I don't think the bowl for the giveaway made it all the way around. So if you haven't already put your name in the bowl, it's here with Alex. If y'all want to pass that to the other tables, um, we can draw a name here in a second for a $5 coffee gift card. You can drink your coffee while you read one of these new books that you're going to try out. Okay, so um, go ahead and pray around tables, and then um, we'll announce the winner here in a little bit.